Morning, everyone. Did anyone else feel like yesterday was Sunday and you felt really confused this morning? Yeah? <laughs> Nearly turned off my alarm and went back to sleep, you know, thinking, ah, oh, public holiday, finally, you know? And then I realized, ugh. Um, as mentioned yesterday, uh, there was a, a COVID case, or several COVID cases at Hezron Church, and so uh, we do want to make sure that we are transparent with you guys regarding this. Um, but as mentioned yesterday as well, midweek, um, everything was quarantined and sanitized. Uh, we're trying to stay safe. We're ask, actually asking for people to kind of come forward and let us know, uh, let the church administration know. Um, if you've received a positive test, um, we're still keeping things uh, very private and anonymous, um, just so we can know, though, um, which service that they might have been a part of, um, and we can tell those people to monitor and isolate as necessary. Um, I've been really, I guess, happy to see uh, New Life um, taking it upon themselves to isolate, to uh, socially distance, to get test results, and uh, all that kind of stuff kind of on uh, our own. Um, and so I guess just a reminder, yeah, keep your mask on for the duration of the time that you're at church, check in and check out. Um, I found that there's quite a difference between actually checking out or not checking out. Uh, some of you might have received alerts on your app because you didn't check out. And so, you know, the government, I guess, didn't know uh, whether or not there was crossover between you and that person. Um, socially distanced as well, and just overall, I guess, continuing with our vigilance and our awareness, um, getting tested and staying home with symptoms, and I guess just thinking about the vulnerable among us, um, especially babies and children. Now, with that in mind, uh, let's move into the sermon. I, I do feel like we're kind of stumbling across the finish line of 2021. Does anyone else feel that way? Like, oh, we're nearly there. You know, let's just get across the line and then we can start 2022 just crawling. Um, but I do want us to finish strong uh, so that we can start the new year strong as well. And just a reminder that our God, he does not grow weary. He's kept us and he will continue to keep us. Uh, he has a mighty plan for us. Uh, the title of the sermon today is Sunbeams and Hopeful Dreams. And that'll take us into 2022. But how about I pray for us before we get into it? Uh, Father, we pause this morning and we think about uh, Christmas, we think about the time that was, we look forward to New Year's, and we think about who you are in the midst of it all, God. We want to be reminded of this, God, because oftentimes during these holidays, uh, we can find ourselves drawn away towards a bunch of other things that are just as important in our minds. Uh, we need your reminder now, Lord, uh, that you are in control, that you're sovereign, that you are good. Um, it's amazing to think that there's never a, an intention to harm us in your mind at all, Lord. Uh, even when we feel like in this world there are many things that will harm us. Uh, we know, Lord, that in your arms, in your presence, uh, there's fullness of joy, there's fullness of uh, just your safety, and just being reminded, Lord, that you are in control. Um, as we head towards 2022, uh, would you remind us of this once again, Lord, that you have a mighty plan for us, um, that you know the route to get there a lot better than we do as backseat drivers. Uh, we know, Lord, where we're headed with you, and that's enough for us. 
But for those of us, Lord, uh, that grow anxious, that grow weary, that grow sometimes angry or fearful, would you remind us, Lord, that in your presence there's nothing to be afraid of, there's nothing, Lord, uh, to fear, there's nothing, Lord, to be anxious about, but that we can hand all of those things over to you, knowing that you care for us. We pray for those that couldn't be with us today, whether joining us live from home or whether joining us uh, from wherever they are uh, making holidays. Uh, We pray, Lord, for their safety in the midst of this pandemic. And we pray, Lord, uh, for our safety as well, knowing, Lord, that you have what's best in mind. Uh, We turn to you now, Lord, and we ask that you would speak to us and that you would help us, Lord, to remain hopeful, uh, to have hope in our hearts, Lord, for uh, after all, You gave us hope in the form of your son, Jesus. And Christmas is such a great reminder uh, that hope came down and gave us new life in him. So we turn to you. We ask, Lord, that you would speak, that you would give us life. Help us, Lord, to love you and to commit ourselves to a greater love of you once again. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this passage... um, It outlines that three days before his arrest, Jesus uh, and his suffering, his crucifixion, he gives us teaching using this example of sheep and goats. You know, you might be familiar with this teaching where he talks about sheep and goats. It's a short, it's a very sharp passage as well. And yet it's quite possible that as you discuss this passage with those around you, with other people, you might disagree about the meaning of this passage you might find yourself in disagreement about what it is that this passage is talking about. Matthew 25, 40 reads, and the king will answer them, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And you can see that highlighted bit there, the least of these brothers and sisters of mine. Who is Jesus talking about here? How do you understand the highlighted phrase on screen in front of you. Now some people believe that it's referring to everyone on earth who's hungry, needy, and struggling. And they point to the things that one does, acts of compassion, doing good deeds of mercy for those in need, as the basis for entering the kingdom. If you've been with New Life for a little while, if you've heard the gospel of grace preached here, you might feel a little bit uncomfortable with such an interpretation. Others believe that the least of these brothers and sisters of mine is referring to apostles and missionaries, so those disciples that commit themselves to apostleship, to becoming career missionaries. But this seems unnecessarily narrow, considering the fact that when Jesus speaks of brothers and sisters of his in other places in the Gospels, He's referring to all who follow him. And the fact that Jesus' view of the Great Commission is for all of his disciples, whether apostles or missionaries or students or lawyers or whatever that you classify yourself as, we're all called to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that Jesus has commanded. So it seems instead that these brothers and sisters of mine that Jesus is referring to is all of Jesus' disciples. All those who continue on in their lives to share the good news of God's grace, 
regardless of whether they face hunger or thirst, sickness or imprisonment. Now, throughout our series, Christmas Together, which is wrapping up today, we've observed a few themes coming up. We've talked about the relational nature of humanity. We've talked about how a human approach to unity results in violence, oppression, assimilation, whereas true unity is found in Jesus, in vulnerability, rather than in our idea of power. And then we've also talked about how God blesses us so that we can bless the rest of humanity. So Jesus' life, death, and resurrection means that we're made alive in him. We no longer need to approach unity in that human way which results in violence because we've received the greatest blessing of all. So some of you might know where we're headed then when you read this passage, when you hear about the themes that we've uh, just talked about. As we talk about the people of the world responding to Jesus' disciples in positive ways and this reflecting where they stand in relation to Jesus and his kingdom, remember what God said to Abram. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Remember this message, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. If Christians don't just sit in the blessing that they've received from God, but actually carry out the great commission, going therefore and making disciples of all the earth, taking the gospel of grace to the peoples on earth, then it gives the receivers of the gospel of grace the opportunity to respond in kind, blessing the messengers, which then looks like blessing for them. Throughout the pandemic, um, I've heard of Christians and churches that go and pay back people's debts. You know, this is especially in America where uh, the debt problem seems to be rising. You know, they go and feed and clothe the hungry. They care for the orphan and the widow. These are blessings that no one in this world, no matter how atheist you are, is going to respond to by saying, man, I hate those lousy Christians. How dare they take care of the orphan and the widow? Sick of them. No one's going to respond in that way. And yet this must be an inroad towards sharing the gospel of grace. Because otherwise, we bless people for this life only. And how pitiable will they be? giving people a social gospel where our institutions and our own generosity will become the objects of worship rather than God. Unless we give the gospel of grace, we turn ourselves into gods for them to worship. Acclaimed Christian writer C.S. Lewis wrote this, gratitude exclaims very properly, how good of God to give me this. Adoration says, what must be the quality of that being whose far off and momentary coruscations are like this? One's mind runs back up the sunbeam to the sun. Coruscations meaning sparkles, glitters, flashes of light, like a sunbeam. If we leave people with just the blessings of this world, we might leave them considering the sunbeam for its beauty, admiring our niceness, our kindness, and then turning their attention to the earthly things that the sunbeam illuminates. But to share in the blessings of God, 
by telling them the good news of what Jesus did to reconcile them to God, perhaps then their minds might run up the sunbeam of your loving kindness to the sun that your loving kindness originates from. Like, what is it about this God that his followers are like this? They might ask. We're blessed to be a blessing. So oftentimes, the way that these things go, though, is that we as Christians, we shy away from sharing the gospel, whether due to fear of judgment or loss of friendship that we might experience. I understand. You know, we all have these fears. Sometimes our friends and family have no idea that we're even Christian. We've been with them for 20 years, and they have no idea. We might say that we don't want our actions and attitudes to give them the wrong picture of Christianity. We don't want to color their perception of Christianity by our wrong actions and attitudes. But that just becomes an excuse for us to not share the gospel and also to not be transformed in our character. We want to keep doing whatever it is that we do. From the passage, we already know that we as followers of Christ are called to share the gospel even if it means we go hungry, even if it means that we're in danger, even if it means that we're otherwise discomforted. Now, other times, we Christians, we withdraw completely from the people of the world. We see this quite often as well. We fear that they might corrupt our character, that they might draw us astray. You see this throughout church history as well, as people go and live in the desert just to form their own communes, and they think, oh, finally, we can worship God in peace. We don't need all that stuff just corrupting us. If we're prone to temptation towards sin that they partake in, fair enough. Perhaps then you ought to be spending time evangelizing to other people rather than these people in accountability with your brothers and sisters. But otherwise, we must not withdraw from among the people of the world. We can't. We would lose our flavor completely. We would lose our purpose. The fact that Jesus uses the example of sheep and goats here is instructive. Sheep and goats in the countryside, if you've ever seen them, they gather together and they intermingle during the day. It's quite cute, look it up later. They look very cute together. But in the nighttime, they separate. Why? Sheep are able to tolerate the cold a little better than goats due to their wool during the nighttime. Whereas goats, they have to be herded together by the shepherd for warmth. Otherwise, they might perish in the middle of the night. John 17, I've given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. You can actually see sheep and goats there. I forgot I put that there. While we still have time, therefore, we're mingled together with the world, that we might be a blessing to them, that we might give them an opportunity to respond to Christ in us and receive the gospel of grace. Now, for any of this to take place, we must first be blessed, okay? Like, you can't take 
an empty bottle and pour it into a cup. Nothing comes out. In order for us to be blessed, that we might be blessings to the people of the world, we have to be in relationship with God, a relationship that's still continuing, that's still pouring into you, that you might be able to pour into others. 1 Corinthians 15, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his great grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have believed. And this is the heart of Christian faith, isn't it? Relationship with Christ himself, the only one through whom unity can be achieved, not just between humans, but between us and God as well. As we have faith in what God has done, which is counted as righteousness for us, as we place our trust in what the Son of God did, Jesus dying upon the cross and taking our sins that we might take his righteousness, this gives us a way back home, that we might be adopted into God's family as sons and daughters. And there's a great privilege and responsibility for us sons and daughters as well. We're given the full status of what it means to be a son or a daughter of our Father in heaven. You're fully a son or a daughter of the Father in heaven. Then, there is an expectation. You do have a responsibility. Extend invitations through Jesus that the people of the world may join us. Family's open, the door's open, tell them. Now how does any of this work? Does it even make sense that what the people of earth do for us as his family members is considered as to God himself? Like when you read this, does that make sense to you? After baby Jonas was born, we received a bunch of gifts. Some of you guys in your generosity mentioned that the gifts were all for Jonas or Bora, and you were very apologetic towards me as you handed me this very nicely wrapped gift saying, there's nothing in there for you. But this just plain isn't true. A gift for my family is considered a gift for me too. There's pure joy, like yesterday, when we're opening Christmas presents, as we open up gifts and find very cute clothing that you guys have picked out, you guys have very good taste, or books for Jonas, whatever it might be, Jonas hardly even knows what's happening. He's just sitting there babbling away, just not really looking at this stuff, crying, you know. But for Bora and me, we're cooing over our baby boy, we're looking at these things, at how cute he looks in these clothes that you've given to us. We're moved and we consider them as gifts for us. What you did for our boy, you did for us. It's somewhat similar in our relationship with God. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me, he says. Later on in the book of Acts, we see a little of how this looks. As he, Saul, who becomes Paul later, as he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. So when Saul is persecuting the church, he's told that he's persecuting Jesus himself. Jesus has died, has risen, and has gone 
ascended to heaven already by this point. He's not in bodily form on this earth. Saul is not, you know, attacking him physically. But the church is the body of Christ, and Jesus is the head. Remember the first sermon in our Christmas Together series. Whatever is done to the body, the head feels. This is not only glorious privilege and responsibility, but an amazing inheritance that we have a share in. Remember, full status as sons and daughters. That we're considered sons and daughters means that we're going to inherit the kingdom. There's an inheritance waiting for us. And by blessing others, by sharing the gospel with them, we can invite them in. There's enough of the kingdom for everyone. And there's true unity in what we're doing. Now, what we see then in the actions of the people responding to Jesus' disciples, to us, is evidence of faith since it's done in response to the least of these brothers and sisters that are sharing the gospel. So if you're especially like, oh, this sounds like, you know, salvation by works, don't worry. It's still salvation by faith, okay? Giving food to the hungry and drink to the thirsty, taking in the stranger, clothing the one without clothes, taking care of the sick, visiting those imprisoned, all for the sake of the gospel. Remember, this is the disciples of Christ that we're talking about here, and these are the people responding to the disciples in this way. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? This is certainly evidence of faith in their hearts. And you can spot the genuineness of their faith because they respond in such surprise when the king talks to them. When do we do this? It's not, yeah, I remember that. I did that for you. The flip side then is whatever is not done for these is not done for God himself meaning that the lack of response betrays also a lack of faith in their hearts. Still, if this doesn't sit comfortably with you, please wrestle with it. Don't just throw it out, wrestle with it, okay? Because what's being talked about here is hypocrisy as a whole being dismantled, being undermined, and being thrown out. There's no hypocrisy here because these people aren't doing righteous or or unrighteous things because they think someone's watching or not watching. The righteous are not doing the right thing just because they think, I'm going to get a reward or I'm going to avoid punishment. This is a true marker of true faith and character. Unless we preach the gospel, though, they only have opportunities to display faith in you or their own good works. Love one another. Here at church, as you go forward into the new year, serve the least among you with compassion. You know who you consider to to be the least among you. There are some that you just don't rub you the right way. There are some that you just don't enjoy the company of. Serve the least among you with compassion as you'll be serving Christ in this as well. And then, take the gospel from there to your friends and family, coworkers and neighbors. As we close out 2021, I believe that we can dream together of a brighter 2022. 
I know 2021, 2020 didn't turn out the way that we expected. I have no doubt 2022 probably won't turn out the way that we expect either. And yet, we can dream together of something brighter. We saw some of the ugliest sides of humanity once again in the last couple of years of this pandemic. Combativeness grew, people had no time for each other, they reduced human beings to ideologies. So many people comparing everything with Nazi Germany for some reason, I think that's taking it a bit far, seeking to make those different from themselves submit under their vision threats of violence, oppression, assimilation. What are we doing? As individuals, we're more concerned with our own selves, our comforts, our perceived encroachments against our freedom and our independence. But dream with me. Envision with me a new life that looks a little bit different, that welcomes in the outsider. That's a blessing to all those around us that causes people that don't know Christ to bless us, to run their eyes up the sunbeam towards the sun, and they desire to know this God that so transformed us. Why don't you pray with me as we look towards 2022? Father, we know that as we've been transformed as we've given ourselves to you, this transformation is evidence of who you are. We are mere shadows, we are mere sunbeams of the great sun above it all. We desperately want for people to not just stop and pause and admire us. We don't want them to just look to our own good works, or our own good character. We want people to see you beyond it all. We want people to know you, to admire you, to seek to know you more. And so we ask, Lord, that you would embolden our spirits, that you would help us in our unbelief. Help us, Lord, to take the gospel to those around us, to our friends and family, even those that we say in our hearts, they'll never listen. We were counted among those before. We were headed the way of the goats on your left. We were those who would never listen. And yet you shook our hearts to the very core. In your grace, in tenderness and in love, you invited us back into your fold again. And so we look to you, God, and we ask that you would do it again through us to your people that are awaiting. Help them, Lord, to recognize that they've never heard a voice sweeter than yours. They've never experienced a love grander than yours. And would you help us to have hope as we look towards the new year? Would you help us to look forward, recognizing, Lord, that you have a great love for our church here at New Life. You have a great love for each of the individuals here. So help us, Lord, to be knit together as your church family, as brothers and sisters, as your sons and daughters. May we dream together of a brighter 2022 and beyond. 
we want to look to your plan and we want to trust in your vision and we want to know, Lord, that you have something great in mind for new life, for our lives. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.